Welcome to the Spawn Chunks, episode number 85 for Monday, April 20th, 2020. Gosh, there's a lot of 20s in there. My name is Johnny, but the internet knows me as Pixorifs, and joining me as always is Joel Duggan. Hi, Joel. Hello. Uh, and if you are interested in things like Dungeons and Dragons, the weather in Nova Scotia, surprise, surprise, snow and flip-flops, uh, you should listen to The Render Distance, which is the pre-show conversation that Johnny and I have every week. You can get that at patreon.com slash the spawn chunks. Uh, we had a lot of fun, uh, and I'm I'm loving where the um, D&D campaign is going. So if you're interested, check it out. It's a, it's a lot of fun. Yes, I am almost tempted to start trying to recreate some of these things in Minecraft now because I have a really solid visual idea in my head of how some of this stuff looks to me. And I feel like Minecraft could be an interesting visual aid for figuring out how some of that stuff looks but i also feel like it's a very imagination driven game and so i don't necessarily want to spoil it's like when uh movies come out and you see somebody who's cast in a certain character and you're like that's not how i pictured them at all i kind of don't want to ruin that for my players in a way mm -hmm. um so so that is uh something I'm, I'm considering but mostly avoiding uh what i am doing in minecraft these days is getting stuck into the details of my mountain project at long last uh, I'm, I'm building trees on a lot of places which are perhaps in terms of realism not where the uh, trees on a mountain would grow I've, I've started building some sort of to mark out the valley that people are going to be skiing down in the theoretical the fictional sense of the word ski because I've not really made it a functional ski slope this time around but uh, some people in my comments have been like, hey, why are you building trees so close to the top of a mountain? They wouldn't survive up there. And I've gone, well, I kind of like the look of it anyway. And I'm starting to bridge that gap between, you know, what's realistic versus what's just like the stylistic approach I want to take in Minecraft. And uh, it's looking pretty great so far. I'll drop some some of the latest progress shots in the show notes. But it's, uh, uh, I would, yeah, I mean, it looks good. I would um, retort, it depends on what kind of tree. Uh, I was on the top of a mesa in the middle of the desert in Utah, and there was a tree that was like 2,000 years old. So it just depends on what kind of tree decides to break into the rock and stay. <laughs> yeah. Despite the harsh environment, right? So, um, yeah, I guess it all depends on what area of the world you're in as to what kind of trees and how resilient they are. I mean, they're not going to be necessarily pretty at the top of a mountain, but they, they do exist. I have seen yeah. them. Yeah, and I've uh, been enjoying uh, building spruce trees that have clearly been affected by the wind, and they've kind of nice. like swayed to one side or the other. And Sweet. Everything, everything looks so much better, and I, I kind of apply uh, what I think of as the backup dancer rule of growing trees and stuff like that, in that if you build something that looks kind of... It's a small tree, so you can't fit as much detail in there, and some of the blocks are kind of like hanging off by themselves... Um, it doesn't look too great on its own, but then once you start building more of them and they mm. appear like in a group, it starts to look a lot more intentional. It's like when you're dancing on your own, it doesn't really look all that coordinated, but then if you have five people behind you all doing the same dance at the same right. time, it's like, wow, they're really well coordinated and they look <laughs> great as a team. Yeah. So that's, that's what I've been doing with these trees, where they're kind of small, so I can't build like the perfect, like beautiful looking spruce tree out of them with the dimensions i'm working with but if you build a decent chunk of them it really starts to look like a forest to me nice now i haven't watched the video have you included any trees that have like uh spruce fences as trunks or dark oak fences like or are you going with mostly like full um oak or a full I, um log block style i have trunk? started to uh i've added uh, spruce fences to the tips of them uh just ah. to make it kind of narrow to a point at the yep. top 
Um, but yeah, I haven't I haven't done too many that are smaller scale because I think stuff on that kind of scale when it's just like a sapling type of thing just doesn't really stand out against the mm-hmm. size of the mountains I'm working with at yeah. this point. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah th- there's some details I could fit in here and there, but right now I'm I'm much more focused on the bigger picture, which I still have yeah. to build one tree at a time. Yeah, <laughs> but it's um yeah it's yeah. it's a case of stepping back and having a camera account in there so I can see what it looks like from a distance, and that's really which where is. I'm- yeah and that's a great artistic way to go about it too because i mean that's what i would do in a painting right like you'd paint the front couple of trees that you know the uh the viewer is going to see and notice the details on and see the contrast of but like all the trees in the background like half the time you can't even draw the whole tree because the front trees are overlapping it so you kind of just like put in the impression of a tree uh and then as you get farther away details start to fade so trees that are farther from the ski slope where where the player is actually going to be traveling like i mean who the heck cares it's not they're not going to look great but like it as you said it's not going to read when you're looking at them as as a group the impression of custom windblown trees is what you want to leave not um someone is not going to go like stop their 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 boat and decide hey wait a minute (laughs) and walk into the woods and go pixel riffs this tree in the back uh you know like uh i however though I feel your pain because as a perfectionist, uh, I am the one that's making that back tree look good as I'm doing it. And then constantly having to tell myself to back off. You will be here all day. If you do this to every tree, like you kind of have to say like, what, whatever, this is good enough. So out of curiosity, are you building the front trees first and then going into the back so that you don't have to spend as much time? Or are you building from the back to the front? Uh, I've been doing both, actually. I haven't really done it in any kind of systematic way. I've just kind of been building where I think there's space. And I know further up the mountain, I think I built the back ones first and worked forward. But then um, I think that works better for the sake of the time lapses I've been recording where, you know, if you build something in front, then you have to move the camera around so you can even see the back. Whereas otherwise, if you've got a a fixed angle on things then building from the back to the front makes more yeah. sense so yeah um i've i've dropped a link in the discord for you so that you can see oh, the cool. way that's uh working out and i i'm building a lot of these trees on the sheerer cliff faces of the mountain both to break up the amount of exposed stone that is there and also give some clue as to where the snow is kind of falling down in in large drifts and sort of avalanche style um and i think that's working really well despite the fact that you wouldn't expect trees to grow on such a sheer rock face you sort of expect them to be hanging out at an angle (laughs) like to one side but i i think it it works pretty well for breaking up the picture of the top of the mountain there and making it look a little bit less oh just like yeah open snow peaks i think it looks good man and i'm telling you trees are resilient uh they don't need much more than a patch of dirt to get them started and if the dirt disappears as long as they get enough water then it Mm -hmm. doesn't it doesn't really matter i've seen some really odd vegetation in places where i didn't think anything could grow and and yet there it is so uh, no, I think it looks good. Yeah. I, yeah, I think I think it adds a much. I don't want to say much needed, but I want to say to take it in the direction that I know you want to take it. It adds a much um, appreciated contrast, like the the yeah. dark leaves, the texture change from all the snow. Um, I, like for example, like the spruce tree leaves leaf blocks up against the white snow and then with a little bit of white snow on top of them look fantastic like it just it it, it looks like you know a snow covered forest right like the, as, as you want yeah. it to 
Yeah, and it's it's one area I'm actually really happy that we don't have that feature in Bedrock that when spruce leaves get snow on them they turn white because that's exactly the opposite of what I want in this situation. Um, and and naturally if if it snowed there anyway then um they would get some snow on them naturally. So I kind of I appreciate the fact that those trees are still left green and I'd probably swap some other leaves out for them if it made any difference. If it was the case that they turned white because I, I I don't want the white there anymore. I want some some more colorful aspects to it even if it's a darker color and i've mm. got some some ice worked in there as well which kind of adds a blue touch to it as well and uh speaking of painterly uh because <laughs> you mentioned sort of it being like like the process of painting there is now um an rtx beta uh, out uh, on wider distribution for minecraft bedrock edition that i've been playing around with and i'm going to have a video out about later this week we're going to talk about that briefly in the news as well um but the amount of stuff you can do with light once again cannot be overstated and the six maps that they've distributed along with it have a very painterly approach to the way they use light each of the creators who's been uh you know assigned various maps to build and stuff like that they've all done a fantastic job of showing what is possible when you have the addition of realistic lighting and and path tracing to work with in these minecraft worlds and I've been having a lot of fun exploring those this week. It's fascinating stuff. Yeah, no, it it looks it. I mean, I I got into some of it um, watching some videos over the weekend, and man, like it just. I, on one hand, I get jealous of of the of the Windows Ten, you know, Minecraft players, and then at the same time, I see the bu- <laughs> I see the bugs, and I hear about white spruce leaves, and I was like, nope. I, yeah. Kind of glad I don't have to deal with that either. Like it's it's the kind of stuff where it's like out of your control. You're just like, yeah, but what if I don't want it to do that? It just feels very strange. Um, I have nothing to contribute to my Minecraft play this week because once again, I have not played. Uh, mm. I don't have access. And uh, keep it brief. Uh, my computer was off to my friend John, who helped me build it this weekend for a check on the graphics card and the RAM. Both seem fine. He reinstalled Windows 10 for me. And he said the issue was resolved. I tried to get things going again yesterday and it took the entire day. Found out that the issue for me was not resolved. Um, Wasn't sure why and had to roll it back um, to a restore point from just after he installed Minecraft on Saturday. And in the process, uh, I had what apparently was the May 2020 build of Windows and Mm. now I don't from the rollback so i don't know what the issue was but um i just ended up spending the entire day dealing with it and uh got frustrated last night i now have updated because i was trying to go through step by step like bare bones just windows just minecraft how does it look how does it work uh not not the greatest not the same frame rate issues i was experiencing i i didn't see the same frame rate drops but i was still experiencing hard times looking around but then like you know i have to update java and then i have to update nvidia driver so i'm trying to work through again with much appreciated uh, help from mini packs to figure out what the issue is um good news is that i have a new restore point uh, as of like you know create my own account log into windows get everything set up the way that i want it to function and then so if push comes to shove i can always roll back to like yesterday at 6 p.m and just be like all right fresh start because it's just a gaming pc there's no real work on it um, yeah. and i have a secondary drive so wiping the um operating system drive is no skin off my nose like it, it mm-hmm. really doesn't matter um so yeah so it's been a frustrating uh point there uh, i also have not had time to uh mess around with uh the java minecraft version for mac 
uh, which I'm having uh, issues with as well. That is not the computer. That seems to be the build. Uh, I did, however, uh, receive a comment on the um, the bug tracker um, from Slice Lime, who, uh, who reached out and asked me to record some extra videos. So I have yet to do that. That's on my it's on my to do list. So I um, I appreciate that the voice is being heard and that there are curious parties out there <laughs> trying to figure out what, what's going on. And yeah. so uh, I do intend to do some screen recording. Um, uh, on the Mac probably today or tomorrow. I just, I have not got to it just because I, I don't know if anybody out there has experienced computer issues, but they are all consuming. Like they just, I missed lunch yesterday. I got, I got the computer dropped off to me at one and I broke for dinner at six and I did not realize the passage of time. I was just trying to solve a problem and yeah. I'm sure I got up to use the bathroom at some point, but I don't remember it. Like it was just me trying to solve this thing so I can get back into the streaming game and, and really kind of touch base with a game that I miss. And it's, it's been a little frustrating. So um, my condolences to anybody that is dealing with PC issues right now. And, uh, and also thanks to the people that have been writing in, but it's, it's helpful obviously, but a lot of the stuff that's been said has been pretty basic troubleshooting and we've already covered a lot of that. So yeah, um, yeah that's where I am. Uh, but <clears throat> On the bright side, pardon the pun, uh, Minecraft with RTX for Windows 10 is now in beta. We've got the link to the article here on uh, the show notes. It's on minecraft.net. And I loved uh, one of the initial quotes. If you want to catch some rays without the chance of the sun taking petty revenge on your on you for simply being outside, you're really going to love what Minecraft with RTX beta for Windows 10 has in store. New capabilities in the Minecraft render engine called Render Dragon TM. Realistic lighting, vibrant colors, naturally reflective water, and emissive textures. You can also create your own resource packs, allowing custom metallic properties, light emission down to the pixel, and roughness of material. This is a beta. Please be sure to share your constructive thoughts on feedback.minecraft.net, and of course, report bugs on bugs.moyang.com. Uh, a sponge, sponge chunk note, the RTX beta demo map designed by Gemini Tay is something that she teased on a recent interview with us here on the show. That was Spawn Chunks episode 77, if you want to go back and listen to that. Uh, Gemini also linked to her server mate, Perlescent Moon, on that episode. And uh, she also designed the color, light, and shadow uh, showcase RTX demo map. So a couple of people there, um, uh, in loose connection, we'll say. <laughs> uh, six degrees of, of um, Gemini Tay uh, on the yeah. RTX beta. Um, <laughs> but seeing Gemini's uh, build, and I don't remember the name of it, unfortunately, um, on, on the RTX beta was fantastic. And a number of YouTubers that, of course, I watched this weekend, uh, checking out the uh, RTX beta in Windows 10 uh, were, of course, marveling at the dragon and the castle and the cool stuff that, that Gemini built. And, I was just like, and it was really kind of fun to be just like, hey, I kind of know her. <laughs> this yeah. is really, really cool. Um, and I think that's about it. I've, I'll, we'll have a link in the show notes to the official NVIDIA YouTube uh, world tour of the Minecraft with RTX beta. Uh, links and they they have also links to all of the creators of the maps with links to their channels and credits and all that kind of stuff in their video description so it's a very easy way to see the maps in detail um obviously i think a lot of your favorite youtubers are probably you know if they have access are probably sharing some rtx videos as of late um so that that's it for the rtx news um did you do you want to get into the snapshot now or do you want to talk about rtx for a bit uh, let's get into the snapshot now. Uh, first of all, I will say for folks who aren't able to access the RTX beta, if you don't have one of the relevant cards, um, the latest Bedrock beta 
now has, I believe, all of the up-to-date features that the Java Edition snapshots do, including these features that we're about to get into. Uh, so if you're on Android, Xbox, or Windows 10, you should be able to get hold of that beta as well. So you still have something fun and fresh to try out if you're interested in getting involved with the beta, and especially if you're interested in giving some feedback. Uh, but the latest Minecraft Java snapshot has these new features. This is snapshot 20w16a. It says, Bastion Remnants, or Home Sweet Home as piglins would call them, are finally here. This snapshot introduces the home of the piglins. If you scour the world, you might also find ruins of some old portals. So the new features are the, these Bastion Remnants, ruined portals available in both the overworld and the nether, chain blocks and a new music desk titled uh, new music disc sorry titled pig step by lena rain which can only be found as loot in bastions uh, the bastion remnants are kind of available in four different types there are bridges hoglin stables housing units and a treasure room you can find bastion remnants in all biomes in the nether except for basalt deltas and they might be kind of difficult to pick out if they were in basalt deltas because they are mostly made out of blackstone the Piglin Banner Pattern can also be found as loot in Bastion Remnants. These ruined portals are the shattered remains of ancient nether portals uh, found in any overworld or nether biome. Some are hidden underground, under the sea, or buried in sand. So they are something almost to discover like they discover the Stargate in the first Stargate movie, <laughs> which is kind of neat. Uh, there are a few technical changes and bug fixes of note, uh, including one which stopped villagers from farming having been fixed, and a lodestone compass in an item frame not updating after you turn it in the item frame. So that's been fixed too. Uh, a couple of light bug fixes. I'm sure there is more uh, to note in the changelog for those of you who are interested in the more technical side of things. Um, since we covered uh, Minecraft RTX earlier, I figure we may as well talk about our impressions of that first. Uh, and I've been able to jump in and have a play around, but what's your view on it as someone who's uh, currently just able to watch videos about it? So it's definitely changed my opinion. Not that I thought it was bad to begin with, but it's way more interesting and cool than the tech demo that we saw a few months ago. Uh, I think the main difference here is that a lot of the videos that I've watched, like Mumbo Jumbo, uh, Iskal, um, a couple of other people, uh, is that the textures of the blocks are vanilla textures in some cases. Yeah. Uh, it depends on whether you're on a demo map or whether you're building your own, like some people just, just jumped into their own world and just started building like a house for fun, you know, a little Minecraft base. And that to me really sells it because it, it still looks like Minecraft. Like you're not walking down a hallway where the iron blocks are so shiny that it looks like you know uh, a call of duty map you know like it just yeah. when when they have when i've always thought this about texture packs and crazy shaders in minecraft like when it starts to get to a point where it just doesn't look like minecraft anymore um i start to think well it just looks like a different game and that's not why i play minecraft mm -hmm. um however i do really like when you get something like you know wood planks or I think another really good one is the iron block texture because uh, in some of the situations that I saw, it was quite shiny and it still has the same pixel pattern on it, but it has like a bump map. So it looks like it has depth. So depending on how the light is hitting it, some of the parts of the block feel slightly recessed as if it's like corrugated metal. Yeah. Uh, and things like the way that light bounces off of things, obviously using stained glass to then change the color of your light source so like colored light is the i think the biggest thing that everyone is saying like 
you put a, uh, uh, you know, a sea lantern down and it's one color, and then you have 16 other colors that you can change that sea lantern to because you've got that many different colors of stained glass. And I didn't see it tried, but I'd be curious to mess around with it myself, not that I have access. And that is, if you started to layer different colors of stained glass, like could you get varying, various degrees of like purple? If you put down like a purple and then a blue, and then a light, a light blue, would you get like the light going through all three of those stained glass blocks? Yeah, so, so you yeah. do. Yeah. There's, no, and, there's, actually, yeah. there's actually a section in uh, Pearlescent Moon's map oh, where there's okay. a puzzle where you have to channel light through a bunch of colored stained glass blocks in order to get it to only show up red or green or purple. Nice. And it, it's kind of showing how you can combine the different colors in various ways, which is, is super fun. Super cool. Yeah. And anytime that there was like a light beam coming in through a window, surprisingly, no one. I mean, everybody was so obsessed with the sun in the videos that I saw. I didn't see anybody do any moon, like moonlit scapes, which would have been very cool, too. I saw a lot yeah. of night stuff, but the night stuff was all like, um, uh, what's the word? Like cyberpunk. Like everything was glowy neon lights and yeah. very, so your attention was very much drawn to the ground, not to the light coming from the moon. Um, but yeah, like I just, I, it looks fantastic. I like the simple textures. I like the way that you can take the simple textures and blocks of Minecraft, but then add realistic lighting to them. Um, the only thing that I, the only weird thing that I pulled away from that is I still feel weird watching um, bedrock like I, it, there's a lot of stuff about it that kind of is like oh wow that's strange like I, you know um, not being able to put certain things on trapdoors uh, noticed a couple of bugs where people's heads were det detaching from their bodies like there's there's I mean yeah. obviously it's a beta I mean I get, I get that so um, but there's a couple things I think that are not necessarily beta bugs but are like you know quote-unquote bedrock features and it's like really that's how that happens in bedrock i don't like that um you know so th that kind of stuff kind of stuck out to me a little bit but mo mostly i was just impressed with the way that like stained glass works and lighting and um the thing that i think that blew me away the most was underwater that is where yeah. i was just like yeah, yeah, yeah. oh wow uh, in Mumbo's video specifically after i was blown away by someone swimming around underwater in in another video um Mumbo just decided to make a water ceiling for like no other than just he could. And what he didn't anticipate was the mottled light that would then appear on the ground underneath yes. the clear ceiling. Yeah. And yeah. like similar to like if you're looking at the sunlight dappling across the bottom of a pool. Uh, and it was just insane. Like it just, it added so much to the environment that he was trying to build. And I was just like, okay, that, that is nuts that it, it's it's really really impressive yeah um i have to say i was really drawn to the elysium fire map which is the neon cityscape one mm -hmm. um and that's i feel like it is probably still i'd say 80 percent the build because the build itself is brilliant uh but the way they've used light in that to have whole lower sections of you know buildings made out of white concrete or white material that has a bunch of light from the street below reflecting up onto it so the side of the building appears a kind of like warm orange or pink mm. and and the emissive light blocks are doing so much work there to make it feel 
immersive and real and i think that's fantastic they've they've done some really good job with that the the fun thing about this is that with bedrock you are so you're kind of used to having like a really high render distance compared to java you can put render distance up to i think 128 chunks by default holy smoke in in bedrock edition in the render in, in the rtx beta you can only have it a maximum of 24 and they say this might still cause performance issues because of the amount of extra work your graphics card is having to do anyway um, so a lot of the, the screenshots I've been taking of it and um, even the, the footage that I've been starting to record, I can't go above 16 or 20, even with an RTX 2080 Ti now. <laughs> so it's it's a lot. Um, and there's a lot in that map in particular. But it just looks phenomenal as an actual cityscape lit up at night and the, the way they've lit areas of that map is just brilliant looking to me. It actually feels like that kind of neon cityscape that you can only get from you know rendering it in blender or something like that if you build something like this in vanilla minecraft with vanilla textures and lighting it can approximate this but it's never going to look quite right mm -hmm. because of the the lack of variation in the kind of the color you can give the the lighting scheme and everything um so yeah i obviously had a pretty early hands-on with the rtx beta when nvidia did this capture event up in london I think it's really cool just being able to get hands-on at home and being able to explore more than just what they had laid out for you um, and what being they able were to build yourself, yeah. Exactly, yeah. And and I'm able to sort of tinker with a few things. I agree that the underwater stuff looks fantastic. I am blown away by mirror effects and the, the reflections of the player character. Although I did notice something kind of funny in that when you hide the HUD and you're hiding your player's arm that hides the entire character model if you don't have the hud on and you're in first if you do have the hud on you're in first person the only thing the game actually renders is your hand and then you have to go into third person in order to render the entire player character model uh, so it's not actually simulating the player being there at all times in the environment and i don't know if that would be different if you had somebody else log in on a um, like a multiplayer instance of this right but um, yeah, as, as far as you can tell, it's, it's really funny walking into a room in first person and there are mirrors everywhere and you just see your arm reflected everywhere, but nothing else. <laughs> and then having to go into third person to really see yourself is, is kind of the way it works. But nice. yeah, that, that's still kind of fun. And I imagine they could probably fix that and just have the entire player model rendering in once it's out of beta, even if you're in first person. But it, it's, it's cool being able to do stuff like that. And the mirror effect has actually fooled me a couple of times into thinking that a room was like infinitely large or larger than it was acted actually built right. because the mirror effect is so pristine there is no kind of indication that you're looking at a mirror until you get up very close to it and you see that your player model is reflected there and everything is inverted the the pearlescent moon level the kind of color light and shadow showcase is um built in some stages where it has mirror walls all the way down it and it just looks like you're standing in this infinitely long chamber which is nice. incredible uh i don't remember which map it was it was one of the more one of the larger ones maybe blockworks or i can't remember one of the other people that made mm -hmm. it but um it was something where it was not necessarily it was a reflective surface but not glass or a mirror it was like you know shiny quartz or something like that and yeah. you could see the reflection of the vertical columns would be reflected in the floor, but obviously yeah. not infinitely. Like they would eventually kind of fade off because like the reflective quality of that material would be minimal compared to like a mirror or glass. And I just thought, man, like that's the kind of stuff that you, if you want to achieve it in Minecraft now, you have to build it. Like you have to flip the build upside down and build it 
under the glass to make it look like a reflection. And yep. this is just an honest to goodness reflection, but a soft reflection, you know, like a reflection of a white column that only kind of goes half a block and then fades away. But it just, it just, just enough to kind of give that sense of space and immersion and, and things. That's what I felt when I was watching these videos was feeling very present, if that makes any sense. Like when you're yeah. playing it, do you feel more cemented in the world? Do you feel like your computer monitor becomes more of a portal than a plane? In a sense. Yeah, it it does it does feel like you're walking around a more realistic world. And Minecraft's always been an immersive game for me, even though it's made out of blocks. So mm -hmm. I kind of I, I I feel that, but it, it does it does feel a lot more like you're walking around something tangible, which is really interesting. I think the the other cool thing about this beta and it being more widely distributed now is, as we mentioned in the the sort of bullet points here, the ability for people to create their own resource packs now, and you can modify blocks and and create your own blocks and adjust their metallic properties their reflectivity the fact whether or not they emit light you can actually play around with that stuff in this beta instead of just sticking to the texture packs that they've provided so that's super cool and it's probably going to take a lot longer for people who want to me mess around with that stuff but for marketplace creators for hobbyist creators it creates a whole lot of different opportunities to play around with this effect I'm, I'm really happy that they're not locking it to there are only these official texture packs that you can use with them they're actually making that stuff available to players um and on that note i feel like the one thing this is still missing is some level of uh configurability <laughs> it's a coin of word um i feel like the problem with it so far is that aside from being able to adjust render distance and particle render distance and stuff you don't really have the fine tuning that you get with, for example, Java Edition shaders, where you can toggle on and off right. the kind of effects you want when it when it comes to like light bloom and stuff like that. Like the the thing I find about the RTX beta is walking out into the sunlight and having your eyes kind of adjust to the light is a cool effect the first couple of times, but after a while, when it happens over and over again, it just starts to get a little bit frustrating. The fact that yeah, yeah you, you're you're constantly kind of doing that. Oh, I'm blinking in the light to kind of readjust to being outdoors again after being in a, a darker space. Yeah, and in some cases, I find that the light coming from outside when you're in builds is a little bit too intense. Like it's it's the kind of um you know light in your eyes at the beginning of the day kind of thing. Um, it's one of the things that I noticed and don't like about extreme shaders in Java is yeah. I, t I tend to go with the more minimal shaders and dial them down a bit because otherwise I just feel like, well, like nothing looks like this all the time. Like it's, it's, it's a little bit too intense. It's, uh, it's one of those things where, again, to quote Jurassic Park, like you, people are sometimes so enthralled with whether, with whether or not they can, they didn't think that whether or not they should, you know? Yes. And I, yeah. and I feel, I, I do, I did get that from, it's like, okay, that's a cool effect, but I want that. Do I want that cool, intense effect all the time? You know, like, just yeah. do, do I want this room to be like pitch black all the time? Uh, something, another question that came up to, to, to me as I was watching some of these very cool, like deep, dark builds with like bright lights. It's all well and good and creative. How much of a mob farm are these places if you want them to yeah. look cool? that is that is the other concern right now is that most of this stuff makes sense for creative building but is not practical in survival and i don't know if you're going to want to play with rtx on all the time it really does feel like a builder's tool more than it feels like something to enhance the average survival experience right but we'll see what people end up using it for because it should hopefully be available publicly 
at some point in the near future. If not, you know, if you don't feel like messing around with the beta and you're going to wait until the finished version, mm. hopefully that'll be available soon and you can decide for yourselves. Cool. So where are you standing on Bastion Remnants? Uh, mostly on whatever blocks I can find because those <laughs> things are broken all the heck up. And um, yeah, the, the the ones I've seen, I haven't seen the, the full spread of them. I did a, a sort of quick look at them and overview. Uh, I didn't make a video about it or anything yet. And I kind of want to save some of that stuff for the full release. So yeah. I'm not exploring, trying to find every single variant that's out there. I've seen a couple of screenshots of a few of them that are kind of neat designs. Like Wattles found one that basically looked like a dragon with like paws up when you looked at it from a certain angle. Like it had eye sockets and a snout and stuff um I'll, I'll try and track down his screenshot and link it in twitter uh link in the show notes but yeah it's it's cool having more structures in the nether first and foremost because um nether fortresses were the only thing for a while so it's kind of fun to have these these structures popping up now and it's it's weird to me because the way they are generated is very much like in a way I imagine what they've done is made templates of complete buildings without any of the uh, ruination that has happened to them and then they've run it through the same thing that you can do with structure blocks where you can choose like a percentage of how much you want it to be destroyed and then it goes in and effectively removes random blocks like it doesn't do it systematically and realistically it does it procedurally um which doesn't look the best to me. No. Um, and I think there is a solid reason for it. But but talk a little more about how you feel about them, because I think you're feeling the same way, is that they, yeah. they look kind of jumbled. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they look like a jumbled mess. And I think largely due to the combination of the blackstone texture being so noisy and being unable to discern one kind of blackstone from the next. Um, but I also feel like the remnant designs are just very noisy as a structure. And what you're yes. talking about, like procedurally removing random blocks, if that's how it's done, bad idea. Mm. It's my opinion. I'm not, I'm not saying that it's practical to do it the other way. I'm saying the other way is going to be labor intensive <laughs> and involves a person, you know, making something look like it's ruined. Um, but to me, they don't make sense visually. Like you just, you yeah. look at them like... I think it was Exumavoid. I was watching his snapshot video and he had a strew, like a strewn of, of the different structures in like a flat world. He wasn't able to tell them apart. He was calling one a bridge and it wasn't a bridge. It was the other thing because like it just, it, the bridge one, at least you can see there's a bridge, but like other than that, you can't really see form silhouette. Um, when you're looking at a, a nether fortress, for example, you can quite clearly see pillars, roads, uh, fortified section where it's got windows and it gets a lot bigger. You know, yeah. I don't know what the technical terms are. Crossroads, very easy to spot. But they have a silhouette. Like they have a, a oh, look, it's another fortress. You know, or if I see a corner of that sticking out of the netherrack, I know what it is. Whereas with the Bastion remnant, Remnants, even removed from the nether in this flat world, I'm just like, I can't tell what that is or was. And to me, while I agree that more structures and more gameplay in the nether is good, um, they don't seem to have a clear form with, with what they are. And if you're hoping for some hint of piglin culture, they don't provide that either. You know, it's not clearly round 
pulpits. You know, it's not, um, there's no, they're just, they're big boxes. Like they remind me of, oh gosh, what was the, I can't remember the name of the thing, but in the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy movie, the, the, the bad guys, the, the politicians from space basically flew around in giant boxes. <laughs> like v- were, Vogons. The and Vogons. Yeah, their, their ships are designed to basically look like um skyscrapers bricks, yeah like bricks yeah, like... yeah and i was just like this is like you're telling me that that like this is the most culture that the <laughs> that this these piglins have is like it's these giant bricks that have pieces missing like it looks yeah. like a combination between the vogon vessel a borg cube and the sand crawler from star wars that the jawas drive around in like it just it's all of it is just like i'm not really sure what to expect and when i was looking at people being inside of them i'm just like i've got no interest in going here one it looks like a death trap and and two it just it doesn't look like at least in another fortress you can get lost in complete hallways and the idea is that it's supposed to be kind of like labyrinth like you know like i i get that about another fortress but looking at the bastions i'm just like i don't i don't like i don't see what they were going for so that artistically i find that it's just all been not communicated very well and and then and while i'm being ranty bastion remnants are just it's hard to say <laughs> like people are going to call them bastion ruins or just bastions just fyi yeah, yeah I'm, I'm definitely shorthanding it to bastions um yeah the the thing i the the pushback i have and it's it's a bit of a, a flimsy argument but i'll make it nonetheless aside from the fact that they are from the outside largely cubic in nature as a lot of stuff in minecraft is Sure. I think the fact that they are broken down procedurally with sort of almost randomized blocks being removed is a way to make it look less hand sculpted so that when you find them over and over again, each one is different mm. as opposed to it being the case of, you know, you're finding a set piece like every desert temple looks the same. Every jungle temple looks the same. It's a compromise uh, from a visual perspective as a player exploring it because from a game design perspective otherwise you're going to be finding the same structure every time and it stops being fun yeah um obviously then you have you know is it fun to explore something where just like random blocks have been removed but it's ultimately the same outer casing i don't know uh that it 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 remains to be seen but i think um it could potentially encourage players to reconstruct them as well now you have a few different examples of the same structure to compare and different blocks are missing from different places instead of just leaving a giant crater in one side of it and players not knowing what was there originally if people don't want to build whatever they want on the side of them if they want to try and restore it to what it looked like before then having it broken down just in some places randomly can maybe leave enough of the structure there that players could reconstruct them and then turn that into their piglin trading house or whatever yeah. they want to do. But when you've um, removed so many blocks that all form and structure are absent, then you've got no hint. I mean, this is an extreme example, but if you're walking down an RPG video game and there's a church that's been dilapidated for years and like half the steeple is missing and the walls crumbled, you know, there's a chunk of the roof and like half the, the back wall is gone. But when you walk by and the silhouette is still very much a church, like you can see what it is. Whereas if they rip the entire thing down to just the foundation with maybe one wall, you've got no idea what that building was, you know, when you walk by, right? So there's, there's a level of communication of like, oh, this is where the church was. This other thing next to the church, not a church. Don't know what building it was, but it's not the church. The church is the one that still has the half 
beaten up steeple on it right and i think like that's that's where this is is missing and i've seen the number of components that go into making up the bastions and it is numerable like it, like if that's even a word like it, it's there's a lot and most of them don't look like anything and and that to me is like well it's like leg you know the way that the the jigsaw stuff works it's like lego bricks but like i feel like with with lego you kind of at least have a thing that you can attach to another thing both of them exist on their own but together they make something cooler you know whether it's like a street lamp that connects to a sidewalk or a sidewalk that connects to a building or whatever it is like when you get modular with lego they tend to have these kind of components whereas this it like on their own the pieces don't don't look like anything and my to to kind of counter your counter i'd say just have more pieces like if you want it to look random and try to be different every time it's it's created then just have more pieces i can't say uh for sure but i feel like whenever i run into a village now in 115 after the village update in 114 they look pretty different and there's not endless components like there's only a few different ways that, that village houses are constructed but the arrangement of them makes every village unique combined with the way that the landscape is, right? Mm -hmm. Like I find that villages no longer look the same, you know, as they, as they used to in, in Minecraft before they updated the way that the villages rendered. Um, and I think it's a great improvement. So I'm, I'm wondering if maybe they took that logic and maybe pushed it a little bit too far. I mean, this is all guesswork and, and again, more things and more structures is not bad. Uh, I'm just confused by by the bastions they don't they it's it's something that i did not expect yeah um and and, and that's fair i think it's 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 going to remain to be seen exactly how useful they become or how interesting they are to visit once you're out there in the world it's certainly an interesting source of uh resources and a, a decent source of loot i think there is some some decent stuff in there if you're after gold and netherite stuff in particular mm -hmm. although if you open a chest in there all the piglins in the area are going to get mad at you because they don't like you doing that there are a couple of interesting ways around that though i actually saved a reddit post so i could credit uh the person who came up with this and i'll see if i can find it quickly but somebody pointed out that it is easy to get um here it is hang on uh this is pcapton 2540 on reddit pointed out that if you want to steal stuff from a piglin's chest without them attacking you you just put a hopper underneath it because that drains all the contents of the chest and you can access the hoppers inventory without <laughs> them getting mad at you but you can't open the chest and, and the, the, the video clip ends with them basically opening the chest to demonstrate all the piglins getting mad and then like jumping into lava but then yeah you end up um I don't know if they will still get mad if you open stuff like dispensers. I know they do get mad if you open chests, ender chests, and shulker boxes. But if you have like a hopper and a dispenser, that's already 14 slots of inventory space between the two of them. So if you wanted to use something sneaky like that and then break those afterwards, you could drain all of the contents of a chest without the piglins getting mad at you. <laughs> Is there a Mission Impossible music disc? Oh, there, there should be, yes, at this point. Uh, there, that's amazing. There is the uh, the pig step music disc, which I find, uh, having looked around a couple of the bastions, it's in basically every loot chest, and that may just be because they want people to find it in this snapshot. Mm. Um, but I feel like it's a little too frequent. It's like finding the cat disc in every loot chest you find in a woodland mansion, 
or something. Um, and the music is is fun. It, it, like other music discs, I feel like it is something that doesn't fit the general background music of Minecraft, but does feel like something that you would put on as a one-off thing, as like a, a record player kind of deal. Um, like Stahl and uh, and Cat and some of the other music discs, it really doesn't feel like the average Minecraft background music. It feels like in-world music than ambient kind of stuff to me yeah something you'd play on purpose as opposed to just kind of having having go i'm not the target audience for the music disc i think it's fun i think they're having yeah. fun with it that's fine you know like it's just I, I, I do kind of i kind of wish that the piglins would start dancing when you start playing it it does yeah. sort of feel appropriate for them um but i can imagine a lot of people making fun little music videos using it and stuff is um, it it's like a dubstep beat too isn't it it's like it's kind of like, uh, yeah as as much as you can approximate that without the kind of crazy synthesizers yeah and really really yeah. kind of high intensity effects uh that you get in dubstep music typically. i, I kind of want the piglin dance to be like night of the roxbury like will ferrell kind of like a side head bob just you know <laughs> yeah, yeah no real dancing just kind of like bob on their head sideways kind, kind of like the way uh parrots move if you yeah yeah, yeah. Disc on near them, <laughs> that, basically, they, basically they, that they do the bum shake kind of, yeah yeah bobbing around yeah, yeah um some of the more challenging bastions also include a magma cube spawner which is interesting it's mm. it's right down the bottom of it by the more valuable loot and is probably the first time since blaze spawners that a new mob spawner cage has been added into the vanilla game um and this comes right on the heels of bas uh, not bas um basalt deltas i was going to say bastion deltas but no basalt deltas being added uh which can also spawn magma cubes frequently uh so you now have the two options <laughs> which you you didn't really have an option for creating a magma cube farm before one that didn't spawn ghasts as well anyway uh, but now you can farm magma cubes in a greater variety of ways. Hmm. And some folks might want to harness that for a spawner. Some people might just, you know, clear out a basalt delta and use that instead. But it's it's kind of fun that the spawners are, are now there, at least. And and especially if you're dealing with so much more gameplay in the nether, where you're probably going to want some fire-resist potions. So I think yeah. the, the, the amount of uh, magma cubes uh, that are available now are going to be... Um, much needed. <laughs> uh, and uh, speaking of basalt deltas, they get an update as well. There are more lava pools in them. Uh, serves two, two purposes. Makes them feel a little bit more like deltas as per the notes, but also uh, I think lights them up better. And so you have some more dramatic lighting coming up from the bottom of things, right. shining up yeah, yeah. on the basalt deltas, which I thought was was a really... That's the first thing I noticed when I saw the screenshot. I was like, oh, wow, okay, that looks much better. It's not like it was bad before, it's just one of those things where you're like, oh, that little splash of color. Because they're not big lakes. They're like, you know, pools that are like 10 by 3. Like, they're just little kind of like rivets of, of lava. But it just, it well, one, it adds a little bit more danger. You know, you're not avoiding just the giant lava pools. You have to avoid the little ones, too. Um, yeah. But it but it adds a lot more light to the area, which um, which I think helps, helps it. Uh, on a positive note, I really like the ruined portal idea. Um, yeah, I think it feels right. I know you've mentioned it at least once on the show, if not a number of times, about the fact that there are no in-game hints as to the nether portals. That's like it's the thing that you have to go look up on the wiki or ask a friend or exactly, get told by yeah. someone. Like there's there's no in-game direction as to how to actually get to the nether. Um, this is something that I thought was cool. And when people started showing off all the different builds, I kind of fast forwarded the videos and was just like, mm, I'm okay with just discovering these on my own. I think these are going to be fun. It's kind of like shipwrecks. I don't want to know all the variants of shipwrecks. I just want to find them. Yeah. You know, so I just thought, I saw one or two of them. I saw what it looks like when it uh, appears in the nether. I saw one appear in like a beach biome and then another one 
um, was in like a cave underground, which I think is really cool. So they're not just on the surface. Like you can stumble upon them anywhere that they have room to generate, which I thought was really cool. Uh, and they come with like a loot table and a bunch of different blocks that are around them and, and things like that. Um, so I thought, I thought they were cool. The only criticism I had is that they have crying obsidian included in the build, which looks great, but might mislead some players as to thinking that you can use crying obsidian in another portal, which you can't. Yeah. And it may be that they add that later, or it may just be that the crying obsidian is meant to look like broken obsidian. Yes. I think it looks fantastic. Don't get me wrong. And I I had that in brackets actually in my note is that at the moment, crying obsidian can't be used for another portal. We don't know if that's going to change. If it does, then great. Um, Because I would love to have, I think a, a portal of all, um, crying obsidian would look really cool i th- i think yeah. most people would probably switch <laughs> yeah and, uh, just... and it's it's worth noting that you also can't get crying obsidian in the overworld so it kind of implies that if you right. wanted to make a full portal of the stuff then you'd probably have to use the resource you can get in the overworld right and and plus you have the ice bucket challenge achievement as a prerequisite uh of, of obtaining a block of obsidian before it kind of clues you into the next thing being build light and enter a nether portal yeah um and yeah, so so lighting it is still something that isn't fully explained, but I imagine the loot tables for those chests you find nearby may t- might even have either like flint and an iron ingot or a pre-made flint and steel in yeah. there. Um, they have to do so, something to encourage you to light it because there's no real instructions. And I and like, do you think there's still, I mean, even with the addition of room portals, because again, I think they're great. Um, do you think that more should be communicated to the player about the nether? I think it's a decent balance at this stage. I mean, the advancement for entering the nether just says build, light, and enter a nether portal. So you are told that nether portals exist in some form or another, and I think it's kind of hard to stumble upon one of these things and not see it as a gateway of some kind. Mm -hmm. Um, And They they kind of come on these little pedestals of a sort anyway. Mm. Um, So I think there's enough there. And at this point, we've been getting on just fine, you know, through word of mouth. Yeah, Yeah. Um, player culture. So I feel like it exactly player culture it's it's almost like a nod to the fact that there wasn't anything before mm-hmm. more so than it really being a necessary part of the game but yeah you can you can find that stuff out on your own now if you're able to put two and two together nice i uh and i apologize i forgot about the achievement wording yeah. like talking about that i just i i've never delved into the achievements in the game maybe when i first played just because like oh these are cool but then i quickly just forgot about them and just yeah. went into building so yeah no good point i forgot i forgot about that uh last and... but not least uh chains yes i, th- I think they look cool chains yeah i mean they're obviously designed and work directly with regular lanterns and soul fire lanterns and they look mm-hmm. fantastic when they do uh currently they're only vertical you can't place them horizontal like an end rod uh i put this in giant quotations yet knock on wood um because i think that would be really cool um i do like they have the same kind of restrictions that most things would like you know you're trying to connect fences to flat surfaces it has to be a whole block you can't like fences will hover over stairs and slabs and trap doors and chains will do the same thing they operate in the same kind of way um, they fill a whole block space so that they ca- they can't be connected to certain things in certain ways. Um, yeah. You can, however, make really cool looking things with them. Uh, I thought this was a particularly good video, and I'd like to give uh, them a, th- a shout out. Uh, Throwlash on YouTube uh, put together 14 Minecraft chain decoration and design ideas, and I thought it was a really good little v- interview uh, video. Um, it, uh, there's a little, a little bit of a best new block ever sort of excitement, but it's a pretty chill video and it's still critical, you know, like he's disappointed that they don't go uh, horizontal. 
um, stuff like that. And I thought it illustrates just how versatile it is very quickly in terms of hanging end rods from them. You can hang trap doors from them. You can make hanging shelves, hanging tables, torture chambers, meat hooks. Like there's all kinds of stuff that Throw Lash goes into. So I'll have a link to that in, in the show notes. Uh, it was the first thing that showed up on YouTube when I searched for chains. So I thought, oh, wow, that's cool. Um, I, I like them. I think they look, I think they look good. I, they're, it's a little strange and I've, I've thought this, and this isn't necessarily a chain criticism. This is, this is a criticism of the lantern texture. I'm surprised the lantern texture is so different from like the iron bars. Yeah. And stuff. It's, it's so, starting to use that sort of darker iron texture. Yeah. Like the, the anvil color of, uh, yeah. Of iron. So if you wanted to hang, well, there's now three cause anvils are a different color than the lanterns and the chains. Right. Yeah. So you've got iron bars and then you've got iron trap doors, iron doors that are all shiny. And then you've got the blue iron, which is the, which is like the, the chains and the lanterns. And then you've got the traditional more wrought iron color, which is the anvils, cauldrons, hoppers, that sort of yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm like, I wish they would pick one. Cause like chains on hoppers would look good and will look good would look even better if they were the same texture. Uh, and then you've got the flip, which is like, well, if I wanted to hang iron fences or iron stuff from the chains, the chains are going to be very distinctly a different color. And I'm not saying that's necessarily bad because I haven't done it and played with it. So, but I'm just, cause I'm imagining what that might look like. And it just, it just doesn't, it feels strange that everything is now like this third texture color. Um, I know one thing that I will want to do with it, and this is just a personal thing. Um, I've done, or I've used, um, some of the vanilla tweaks data packs where they take some things like rails and sugar cane and they give it three dimensions. Yeah, so it's not yeah. a flat, uh, polygonal plane, which I feel is very 2010. And so mm -hmm. these chains, I think will, for me, just look much better once I model something that looks like they've got some substance to them and have, they actually look like links as opposed to just like a paper chain that you'd make for like a kid's birthday party. Um, yeah, I think either way. I already saw I saw somebody on Reddit do that where they'd made the a three D yeah. texture for the chain. Yeah. It did look it did look pretty good. Oh yeah, no, and and I and I think that I mean they probably do it out of just consistency, consistency and habit, and or yeah. probably game performance because that's a lot. You know, if people use a lot yes. of chains, then that's a lot of polygons and stuff to worry about and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, however, good like good addition, like really really cool that they've actually added that. I think to many 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 people are going to be very excited to have these. Yeah, I don't see myself using them all the time, but it's definitely nice to have more realistic ways to hang lanterns. Yeah. Uh, I've I've seen a few other people using them already for fun details, and um, I was kind of surprised at first that they don't link together the way iron bars do. I could sort of imagine them sticking together to make like a a chain link fence kind yeah. of style formation, but then. I almost think it's nice that we have something that doesn't connect if you hang it side by side. If you just want sev several side by side, one block apart links of chain coming down from a ceiling or right. a rail or something, then you can have that happen and it's not going to cause a bunch of new textural things. Whereas if you've got, you know, fences and iron bars and stuff, you have to make sure they have at least one block between them. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, they end up linking together in an effect that you don't want. So yeah. it, it's it's always going to be one of those things. It's like Jappa was saying on Twitter the other day. Like, we, we, we make something that works one way and the other half of the people want it to work the other way. So, yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's, it's going to be a use case thing. And speaking of that, uh, and I'll give credit to this to uh, System Z, who posed this question on, on YouTube. Um, do you think we'll be able to craft chainmail armor now that we have chains, either using chains to make chainmail armor or just have chainmail armor be craftable 
now that you clearly have the ability to craft chains. Yeah, it's it's an interesting thought, but I don't know if it would come about, mainly because for the iron investment, I think a chain is made with two iron nuggets and one iron ingots, if yep. I'm remembering that correctly. And that means that crafting chainmail armor using those costs more in terms of iron than it costs to make a set of iron armor, which is objectively better in terms yeah. of its defense and durability. And I, I think it's kind of nice that chain armor is still effectively loot. It's still something that you can only get via a bit of effort from fighting mobs or trading with villagers. And it's kind of nice to have almost like a hidden set of armor that way. Whereas, yeah, I feel like players being able to craft everything while useful in some aspects does kind of take away some more fun gameplay stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like the the chain armor is usually fairly late down the list on an armorer's set of traits. So yeah, I, I, feel, I feel like, like it, makes, it makes more sense to gate it behind other mechanics that way. Yeah, it'd be more of a it's more of a decorative thing anyway, as you said. I reckon we're probably going to move on to chunk mail. This is our chunk mail dispenser episode, after all, and I'm glad we've got a decent amount of discussion out of the snapshot and the RTX beta because we have a a few emails here that we can just uh, skim through and have a light discussion about. Uh, why don't you take the first one? Sure. First email is from the Double O Squirrel, a landscape artist member in our Discord, chiming in on AFK Farms. Hey, Johnny and Joel, responding to the question you posted at the end of episode 81, I just wanted to toss in my two cents on the whole AFK farming debate and say that if you think about it, a massive nerf to gold farming is coming in 116 too. Some farms are easier to set up than others. A key point about your zero ticking debate, you can grow bamboo using bone meal too, not sure if he meant to be a poet, but he is now, uh, which makes it even easier to obtain. Some farms, notably TNT-powered cobblestone farms, don't take all that much effort to construct on a smallish scale, but provide massive amounts of very versatile building blocks once smelted in the case of cobblestone farms. Thanks for the awesome podcast. Stay chunky. So I know you've got a cobblestone farm on the Survival Guide world. Yes, and wouldn't have been able to build a mountain without it. No, exactly. So I think like I think there's a trade-off. And I know we've talked about with TNT stuff. It's like if you're you're creating something that is an active element, like you're not actually creating blocks, you're just you're you're using time more efficiency <laughs> efficiently with game mechanics that are available to you. Um, yeah, with, with with TNT duplicators in particular, it is mm-hmm. it's worth noting that you can make a TNT powered cobblestone farm just by setting up a dispenser with as much TNT as you can craft. Yep. In there, I and have I think one. that is that is the intended way of doing it, and I think the problem with the zero ticking debate is that Mojang's argument, and it's an argument I believe in, is that you are putting in very little effort for a substantial reward. Um, not just in the case of, you know, bamboo being infinitely generated, um, but then that can be used to create infinite fuel for a furnace and so on. So it's removing the aspect of gameplay that encourages you to go out and find more valuable sources of fuel and expend more effort. Like a a zero-tick farm is very easy to build with minimal amounts of redstone components, whereas with TNT-powered cobblestone farms, you have... A variety of problems to solve you have what do you do about your supply of tnt uh if you're farming it legitimately you need to go out and mine sand from a desert gather gunpowder somehow which involves getting a creeper farm together uh so that's something else that you have to build um they don't take all that much effort to construct but it's still 
if you want to create a decent amount of cobblestone at once, it requires you to know a bit about piston mechanics and how to put together a piston setup that's going to push a larger quantity of cobblestone into the range of the TNT exploding. And then it becomes about how much you can get, how much bang for your buck, kind of literally. You know, how, how much um, cobblestone can you generate with a single TNT blast? So there is a lot more to think about, I think, than just following um, zero-tick farm designs. And zero-tick farms only really have one worthwhile design that's worth building. Whereas I think with cobblestone farms and TNT-powered farms in general, there is more scope for variety and for sort of player creativity to play a part in that oh absolutely uh, i have a traditional tnt dispenser uh set up for my uh concrete farm in the modern city built uh and already I, I i haven't been able to play but i've been thinking about ways that i can make that more efficient by testing how often i drop the tnt the tnt is is on a timer based on someone's uh, it was a mumbo's design but mumbo used a tnt duper so it doesn't matter how often you drop the tnt you're never going to run out right so it's not efficient in terms of tnt consumption because there is no consumption but for me where i'm making the tnt by hand i absolutely want the most i can get out of each tnt drop so i think i need to extend the clock uh also i've noticed um i think tango built one recently where uh, Tango Tech on Hermitcraft, where he's got not only does the TNT or not the TNT, not only does the concrete go out and down, it goes out and around and down to create a full cylinder or a, a cubic cylinder. So it's not just a wall. So the TNT, when it's dropped, is blowing up four sides. So for every one blast, he gets four times the amount of concrete that I do. Uh, mm -hmm. And so immediately regretting all of my life decisions. <laughs> <laughs> and be like, why didn't I wait and build a bigger, a bigger, better, batter, you know, concrete maker? Um, mm -hmm. And and I I would I like the fact that it unfolds a bunch of stuff, you know, for me in terms of like, yeah, I need a bigger creeper farm. I need a creeper farm that's well, I need a creeper farm that's close to where I'm building because we have a creeper farm, but it's not working because no one's in the meadows right now. Everybody's off doing their own thing, so no one's loading the creeper farm. So I need I need to come up with a couple of different ways to do that. Um, I also think that the changes to how bone meal affects like warped vines and all that kind of stuff, kelp, etc., in the Nether update, which which is more than a one to one one growth rate. So you bone meal something and you get more than just one tick of growth. It actually might grow five to seven times, I think, um, or more than that. I feel like it's a direct counter to the zero ticking growth thing. So they've removed the zero ticking growth, which we talked about a couple of weeks on the show, but they've changed the way that bone meal affects some of the things that people were farming with those things. And I think it just kind of balances things out, promotes character interaction. I'm unsure if you can bone meal like warped vines and stuff like that with dispensers. Can you do that? I think I think you should be able to. Yeah. If if they can you be do grown with trees. bone meal by a player, it's kind of like how they added the shearing mechanics to mushrooms and stuff last right. week. It's kind of everything should be consistent. If you can bone meal one thing with a dispenser, you should be able to bone meal anything else that the player yeah. could. Yes. And um, what's lovely about bone meal is that unlike TNT, you can use villagers to farm crops and compost them. You can have a skeleton spawner that makes bones for you. Like there's a number of ways to get bones renewably, whereas TNT you still have to mine the sand. Yes. And and bones can also be farmed in a variety of ways, but you still have to figure out how to do that. And it's not something that you can just leave running all the time. You can sure you can make an AFK farm to get a steady supply of bone meal, but then You've got to have done that first, and it's a lot more difficult than setting up an AFK, uh, like than setting up a zero tick farm. 
Um, as regards the gold farm note, um, a massive nerf coming to gold farming, it's potentially not as bad as you think. Uh, if you're talking about the fact that piglins now spawn in the same areas as zombie uh, zombie pigmen or zombified piglins, then you just replace all of the spawning area with magma blocks because zombie piglins will spawn on those because they don't take fire damage, but piglins do take fire damage so they don't spawn on magma blocks. Might be a little bit more difficult to gather up all those materials as soon as you enter the nether, but if you spend a decent amount of time in the nether harvesting magma blocks, then you can make a gold farm with the same design, the sort of donut, snow crash, ill mango style uh, mm -hmm. design. Just make it out of magma blocks instead, and first, you should get uh, the same spawn rates. First, build a magma cube farm because then exactly. you can just make <laughs> magma blocks from the magma uh, cream, which I didn't. Which I knew, but I always forget that you can actually make magma blocks. Like, you can craft them in the game, which I always yeah, forget. Yeah, it's one of those hidden crafting recipes that is actually pretty useful. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, let's move on to the next one, which comes from Edlist, uh, who is also a landscape artist member of our Discord. Uh, and this is titled The Most Least Important. It says, hello, Johnny and Joel. First, I wanted to thank you for creating such an amazing podcast. It keeps me engaged and connected with the game. I also enjoy both of your videos. I wanted to hear your thoughts on the implement implementation of data packs for people like me that don't have all the time in the world. Uh, lastly, I was wondering what do you think are the most important updates to Minecraft and what updates do you think Minecraft may have been better without? Uh, thank you, Edlist. So yeah, I, I don't know what I would remove from this game. And it's a question I get quite frequently um, and I don't, I don't think I want to remove anything. Uh, I think there are some updates that could have been better fleshed out um uh, frequently the kind of the, the stuff that comes up is you know polar bears and parrots and some of the more ambient mobs not really having a huge amount of mechanics that they contribute to the game um and and it's it's a, a source of you know debate within the community whether or not everything should have any kind of mechanical purpose um but i feel like I wouldn't remove them from the game at this point, and I don't know if it would have been that there were any any updates that Minecraft would have been better without, except maybe the one that added silverfish because I still hate them; they're awful. Um, <laughs> they're also a foot long. <laughs> yes, I, I I personally think the most important updates to Minecraft are um, the 1.9 update because it added Elytra. I can't think of anything that has changed the game more since I've been playing it than Elytra has because it's such great survival-based transport. Um, it allows you to explore very fast. It allows you to get from place to place very fast. And it also allows you a really easy way of getting a different perspective on stuff you're building. So being able to fly up into the air um, without the use of creative mode or a spectator account or having to build a dirt pillar, you know? Um, it's, it's so nice having Elytra and just being able to look at what something looks like from a bird's eye view and then come back down and see what you can make of it from there. Um, so I think 1.9, obviously Elytra boosting wasn't possible until fireworks were uh, introduced or combined with that in, in Minecraft 1.11, but I think 1.9 really laid the, the groundwork for that. And also the groundwork for shulker boxes, even though they weren't implemented until later either. Um, so I think in terms of the landscape of it, 1.9 has probably been the most important update for me. How about mm. you, Joel? So... Furnace minecarts, that's the joke, right? Like that's the that's the go-to um target. Um I'm yeah. kidding. For me, it's less about things that have been added that I don't 
feel should be in the game because I feel like that's highly subjective. Like I might say, ah, cauldrons are useless. And then somebody else like loves them and uses them in all of their builds, right? So like it just, it's such a subjective thing. I think that, you know, you can't please everybody all the time. But I do think more things in the game is better than less, right? Like, of course. Um, for me, what comes to mind when I think about um, what updates do you think Minecraft would have been better without, I go right down the same line that you do. It's not about what... It, what is there that I don't like. It's more about what was not added where I felt it was really obvious. Um, stairs and slabs in certain blocks, for example, you know, in joke on the sponge chunks. But another really good example is like smooth sandstone walls. You know, like we get all these different wall variants and yet some of the most obvious ones are not there. You know, mm -hmm. even just smooth stone walls, you know, like the, the, the ones that you have to smelt doesn't exist so like there's stuff like that that i feel like well it would be nice if they like just took some of the things that they've they sort of go down one path and then you just they kind of stop sometimes and you're just like but but you were so close and again it's a very subjective thing you know like i you know there's very specific things that, that i would like to see but you know you can't have everything all the time so that's kind of where my that's where my my mind goes when i think about stuff that you know could have been improved um I do, I kind of um, wish that Furnace Minecarts would get an update, you know, in terms of like some cool functionality or we've talked a number of times on the show about um, Minecart and rail mechanics in general getting some sort of update because Elytra, as you mentioned, has kind of made them obsolete for transport. They're great for farming, but you don't necessarily see people you traveling around in, in Minecarts very often. Um, I would love to see a very, uh, well, for example, we have the Striders, with the fungus on a stick. We've got Elytra with rockets. I kind of wonder what could happen if you combine some mob or rockets and minecarts. Like I'm just saying how fun <laughs> would that be if you have like an Acme powered rocket minecart, like I'm on board. <laughs> I've seen some people using uh, the smallest variety of slime um in order to push players in minecarts before because they will still kind of jump at you but um That's they awesome. don't do any damage so i mean if you've got like full armor on they're not gonna hit you so you can actually have them kind of push you down a track i don't know how fast it is i don't think it's particularly viable long term but it's certainly a fun way of doing stuff hey we've looking for we've got slime blocks and we've got honey blocks now. One's sticky and one's bouncy. Let's make slime rails and honey rails. You stick to one and you fly like snot on the other. I'm on yeah. like that's that's doable. <laughs> and that's very Minecraft. A green slimy green uh Minecraft rails. That's that's what I want. Uh as far as the best mechanic, uh I'll remind everybody that I'm very new to the game, relatively speaking. I started playing just after 112 dropped. So all of the old school hardships, I don't know. <laughs> uh so for me, 113 water mechanics are in my relatively short history with Minecraft, the bees knees. Not to insult the bees, but like I it is I really like the 113 water mechanics. One of the reasons I've never played modded is because so much of it is on 112. I know there are 113 in future mods now, but I, when, I, when modded was first, when I first became aware of it, everything was like, but you don't get water mechanics. And I'm like, nope, I'm done. I'm out. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll play vanilla. Thanks. Cause I just, I love them. You know, it's, it's so much fun uh, to, to make items fly around and do all kinds of fun things. And I, I really, really enjoy it. Uh, and if I understand your data pack question, right. 
Um, they're no more time intensive than really installing a resource pack. You just have to put them in the correct folder. In some slightly more complex data pack cases, you have to execute a command to maybe activate the pack or utilize the pack features. Uh, I would check out some of the Vanilla Tweaks videos uh, explaining how to use the data packs. They each have one. Uh, you'll probably catch on pretty quickly. And if nothing else, you can always start off with a custom recipe, which is technically a data pack, and they're bone simple to install and understand. Like It's just drag and drop. Super, super easy. Yeah, yeah. I have nothing really to add to the data pack thing. I've not looked into how difficult it is to make them myself or, you know, I, I rarely think that I don't use data packs all that much, uh, but it's kind of fun that they are at least there in the first place. And mm -hmm. I've installed a couple of them for my Patreon server before, and it is literally just a case of dropping the right zip files into the right folders most of the time. So yeah, look up some videos about it and it's it's dead simple once you get the hang of it. Third email comes in from Rowan S. regarding frequent fortresses. Dear Joel and Johnny, I was wondering what your thoughts were on lower frequency of nether fortresses. I think it would be a good addition from slower gameplay progress. My, uh, sorry, maybe I will be able to get a speed run in that uh, coincides with the crazy speed runs times that other players get. Thanks for your time, Rowan S. Um, are nether fortresses officially spawning less frequently in the nether update? I don't know this. I think they... They are by virtue of the fact that they only spawn in specific biomes now, and there are more other biomes in the nether. Um, right. They will only start in a nether wastes or a soul sand valley, I believe. And while they can then generate overlapping with other biomes, the fact that they have, you know, two out of five biomes that they can generate in, I think mathematically just means there are going to be fewer of them. Right. Um, my my, I think the previous problem with Nether fortresses was that they they were the only thing that you could find in the Nether really, um, whereas now you find new biomes, the bastions, you find like you trip over fun stuff everywhere. And while the Nether fortresses are the only one required for the progression, if you're looking at you know getting to the Ender Dragon and the end credits as part of your progression, then yes, it might be kind of a downside to not find them, um, but. I think at least you're going to have some fun stuff to do on the way. And depending on how easy you find it to explore the nether based on landmarks now, it may be more difficult to get lost on your way to or from a nether fortress, which is really the big problem I found starting out in the game was I'd find a nether fortress but realize I'd been wandering for ages and hadn't laid down any kind of indicators of which direction I came from. Mm. And that made it very difficult to find my way back to a portal again. I think, too, that if they only start in two biomes, but they will be able to expand into others, then a, another fortress in a warped forest biome is going to stand out like a sore thumb. So in some yeah. cases, I think they're going to be a lot easier to spot, depending on your luck. Uh, or you could just go and only look for them in nether wastes and soul sand valleys, and then you know kind of where to start looking. So that's kind of good, too, as opposed to yeah. just having no clue. Because like, if you're in a crimson forest, you could just like, well, I'm not going to bother. I'm just not going to look here because the chances are really slim. You'd look in the places where they're more likely to occur. Uh, yeah. I don't know, depending on how buried they are, that may increase or decrease your chances. But I think at least you'd have a system, right? Like as opposed to just yeah. like hoping. <laughs> it's, it's like it's like if you're in the overworld, you're not going to look for a jungle temple anywhere other than the jungle. Exactly. So yeah. Ma make a beeline for the nearest nether wastes or soul sand valley that you can see. Make sure you have a bow because you'll be fighting a lot of ghasts. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I, th I think it might be a little bit easier to find them than you think. Um, but yeah, it, it may also slow people down, encourage people to take that sort of mid-game phase of the game a little bit slower. And I think the Nether just having more stuff to do is just going to be 
a welcome change because I feel like the Nether, especially for people who are rushing the progression, is just like you hop in, you hop out, yeah, and it doesn't it doesn't really need to take any longer than about ten minutes if you get lucky finding a Nether fortress. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's going to be nice to give it a bit more depth. Yeah, I think more stuff in the Nether is good, including the Bastions. Even though I'm not a large fan of how they exist at the moment, but I, I you know, more stuff is better. And just as an example, in the testing worlds that I've been creating to troubleshoot my PC, I've created maybe four to five brand new. 15.2 worlds just like kind of testing different things and i've spawned within 100 blocks of a village in every one of them like it yeah. has been effortless to find a village and it felt way cooler than when we created the meadows uh which was you know 1.12 uh, generation where we had to travel hundreds of blocks just to find one village and when the yeah. villagers died we were just like well crap now what do we do because we wanted villagers for trading and we had to go miles <laughs> To, to get them and so mm-hmm. uh the, the frequency of villagers now it's not like they feel less special and if anything i think they increase the engagement with the environment that makes things feel more alive and boy oh boy have they done that with the nether i mean it certainly feels a lot more alive than than it did before you now have the uh the nether biome fog interfering with your perception of whether the, that thing in the distance is a nether fortress or is it a piglin bastion mm. and, Mm-hmm. Yeah, as as soon as you start to see the kind of network of roads in the fortress, then you'll you'll get a good idea. But I think it's kind of interesting to see how players are going to react to there being more than one generated structure. <laughs> it's going to be kind of fun to to see how that works out. Uh, last email we have for you today is from Chris, and it's an explanation of Menger sponges. Uh, in a recent episode, Joel was unaware of what a Menger sponge was regarding the changelog for the 20W14 infinite snapshot. A Menger sponge is a really interesting mathematical fractal shape with zero volume but infinite surface area. One of the Easter egg maps in the snapshot was Sponge, which was a representation of the Menger sponge made using Minecraft sponges. I love the show and just wanted to send that tidbit. Well, thanks, Chris. Um, I think I knew vaguely what these were before. Uh, having seen pictures of them occasionally and people would build them out of cubes but yeah it's effectively it's kind of like very organized swiss cheese is what it looks like and i think joel you've done a little bit of research on these on wikipedia yeah i have a link here in the show notes to the wikipedia article that explains both visually and verbally about like what a mingers sponge is i'm a little curious as to how it has no volume because i'm looking at them and they certainly have volume because they're a 3d object so i'm not entirely sure how that works into it um but the the quote is that it is a three-dimensional generalization of a one-dimensional one-dimensional cantor set and i'm not entirely sure what that is uh and a two-dimensional uh serpisky carpet that was first described by carl menger in 1926 in his studies of the concept of topical dimension uh topological dimension pardon me um the 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 wiki article with the visuals is kind of essential <laughs> i think to go yeah. along you kind of grasp it a little bit better when you see what is actually going on and i do remember seeing the sponge map in the trailer for the um the infinite snapshot i remember seeing that particular map kind of scroll by in the in the video um but yeah thanks again chris super super cool always always like it when you know we're stung, stumped on something technical that is maybe above our heads and our super smart um spawn chunks audience writes in and say well actually <laughs> this is what it is uh but yeah no i appreciate you sharing that's awesome i think the way it's supposed to have infinite um 
surface area but zero volume is the fact that every like the equal distance between every set of holes is another set of holes <laughs> um, it kind of reminds me of the way in the Discworld books terry pratchett describes this mythical dimension where dragons exist and it's got this kind of fractal tessellation thing going on where the space in between two dragons is occupied by another dragon <laughs> and it's such a bizarre concept but it's it's kind of fun to just twist your mind over uh, that is going to be it for this episode of the Spawn Chunks, folks. Thank you so much for your emails. As always, Joel will have the email address for you in just a second if you feel like sending some stuff in. But you can find some more information about the show and links to some of the stuff we've talked about today at thespawnchunks.com. The music for the show was composed by me, and the Spawn Chunks is proud to be a listener-supported podcast. If you get some value out of the show, why not consider putting some value back in? You can visit patreon.com slash thespawnchunks to join our community, where pledging at any level gets you an invite to our patrons-only Discord chat and gets us closer to our next milestone goal of recording the podcast live in Discord so our patrons can listen in. We're currently at 172 patrons, which I'm pretty sure is the same as last week. Thank you guys for your continued support. And special thanks should go to our content engineers, Cameron Sigelski, Greener Canuck, JD Williamson, Yakov Nastin, and Yitz for your support on this episode. Sharing the podcast with your friends is the easiest way to support the show. You can find us at The Spawn Chunks on Twitter and Instagram, but personal recommendations are by, are by far the best way to share the podcast. I normally say poke a friend in the arm. Here, I'll say wave and shout from across the street, uh, or maybe across the yard or however you want to do it. Just spread the word. It's it's really the best way that the show can grow. You can email the show at the new email address at spunchunkmail at gmail.com. So don't send email to the other one because I don't read them. I just forward them. So save me a step and email spunchunkmail at gmail.com. You can also subscribe on iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, and also YouTube. The RSS feed is on the spunchunks.com along with the show notes. And the patron-only RSS feed is on the Patreon page, the only place that you can listen to the render distance and get updated on Johnny's D&D campaign. My name is Johnny, but online I go by Pixel Riffs, and you can find most of what I do at youtube.com slash pixelriffs, where I make a series called the Minecraft Survival Guide. I also do a couple of Skyblock videos here and there, and this week I should have a nice little video about Minecraft with RTX for you as well. I stream three days a week on Twitch, doing behind-the-scenes work for the Survival Guide, still building those mountains, and I'm the voice of the unofficial Hermitcraft recap, which you can find through a quick YouTube search. Aside from that, I'm at pixelriffs on both Twitter and Instagram. Joel, where can people find you online? Everything that I am doing online, including my illustration and design portfolio, is at joelduggan.com. If you are interested in hiring me, then just drop me a line through the website. A lot of what I do right now is under NDA, so I haven't updated the portfolio in a little while, but I had someone ask me the other day, hey, Joel, did you design the MC Championship logo for Noxcrew? Yes, I did. They hired me. It was amazing. They're fun. Uh, check it out. The Sizzle Cafe is the podcast about sci-fi and fantasy entertainment that I do every Wednesday with a bunch of my friends. Had a lot of fun this past week talking about dinosaurs in the original Jurassic Park, which is 27 years old. I feel ancient saying that out loud. You can follow <laughs> me at Joel Duggan on social media everywhere. And I'm going to point you towards Twitch where hopefully I will be back. I promise I'm working on it. Thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks. The world outside is infinite. Play us out, Keyboard Piglin. Piglin.